RPS. Live from Premier Better Sound 2022. Proudly presented by Cupra. First you look so strong, then you fade away. The sun will blow in my eyes. I love you anyway. Welcome once again to Radio Primavera Sound, and it is an absolute joy to be here with uh, half a band that were. Uh, uh, one of my absolute favourite childhood bands and have continued to be throughout the year uh, ride. Me too. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Good to meet you. <laughs> and I've got to say, I went to, your, I went to your gig last night and I had one of those rare moments. I was saying this to Johan earlier, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. You know when you get exactly what you want? Like, it was a very rare thing that happens in, the li- in, in this life, but yet last night was exactly what I wanted. See, that's, that's quite interesting to hear because that's something that, it's really hard to gauge when you play shows, if you know what I mean. Like, it's hard to gauge what people really do want. So at least you got what you want, so that's <laughs> one person happy. But no, it's true, it's, it's good to hear. And um, But yeah, and for us, it's only the second time we've ever played Going Blank again like that from start to finish. So it's something we're just sort of getting used to ourselves anyway. Because you, you're, you're touring playing nowhere from start to finish, and then like it's Going Blank again. Is, is it weird having the two? different things or I mean we did we didn't really plan it this way either I think I think like other stuff in the sort of our recent history with Ride or whatever Primavera make some great offers and give some great ideas because I mean actually we did we had played Nowhere a few times but you know we never played Going Blank again I think it's I mean maybe came in last year and Primavera said oh well they'd like you to come and play Nowhere and Going Blank again and it's like oh Okay, oh. we better get practicing. I didn't know that's how it worked. I thought yeah. usually it's the band and your own management who decide, Prima, you know, the Prima offer. Primavera decides the band what we do and they shape our <laughs> yeah, we, just, <laughs> we just fit in with the we schedule. We take note. I mean, but, but I mean, we, of course that happens as well. But, but obviously, in some ways it kind of cuts down um, sort of aggro with us because it's always, you know, we're always sort of trying to find that nice balance of newer music that we've been writing on the last two records and then the older music. And that's that's not easy at all. So um, in some ways, now we know we've got an hour, we know that those albums are about an hour long, so it just cuts all of that out and we kind of hear and we know exactly what we're going to do, except a couple of those songs we've only ever played twice now. I mean, you know, like Making Judy Smile, we never played live. So that's we've played it twice now live and that's it. I probably showed. Yeah, no, yeah, no, a no. Bit ropey. <laughs> but I, okay, I'm going to ask a horrendous question, but I'm going to ask on, it man. anyway. Uh, you played Going Blank again and you're playing Nowhere. Which is better and why? Which is the better album or the better live experience? A better album. I was um, going to say which do you prefer, but. Personally, I prefer, if I had to listen to one, it would probably be Going Blank again. That's just from. Yeah. I think it's got a lot of variety on it. It's not just entrenched in that shoegaze sound. Not that, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think it also reflects a good place that we were at in the band as well. After the success yeah. of Nowhere, it was a kind of a blank canvas. We could make whatever record we wanted. And that's kind of, I think that's reflected in it. Yeah, I agree. I, I, if I was pushed, I'd probably say, say the same thing as well. But then actually uh, in England, we were doing, you know, the Nowhere show and that, that just seemed to go off completely because um, maybe it's the post 
pandemic thing and and, and it it kind of reinvigorates your I, I don't know I hear I hear those records in a different way now because I hear them how we play them live now rather than the actual recorded version so when I actually listened to do some homework on going blank again recently I was like yeah it sounds not quite how I remembered it at all but it's it's good but yeah I think in some ways we maybe play the songs and we're I'd say probably a better band now than we were then. Speaking of the term shoegaze, I remember, you know, I read about how at the time, most of the bands who were lumped into the genre, you hated the term, you hated the concept of this, like, oh, what is this sad musicians looking at their feet, you know. But now, considering how important uh, the movement, the genre is, the style, so many young bands keep like, creeping up and, and reaffirming it's like you know it was ride it was my bloody valentine it was slow dive yeah all of you and, and you're all playing this year except for my bloody valentine which <laughs> is an oversight <laughs> but, <laughs> it would be good yeah. but uh what what's your relationship with the term now i think that one of the good things about the i think it, initially it was the way of the press writing off all those bands of just being uninteresting hiding behind a wall of sound never looking up from there you know from their pedals and and the press it, being lazy yeah as well. it was mm, a way of kind right. of labeling all those bands and, and trying to bury them but i think because shoegaze never really broke through into the mainstream it kind of a lot of bands just carried on making that sort of music under the radar for the next 10 years and it never really went away and also i think when you start a band shoegaze is possibly one of the easiest <laughs> types of music to do. I mean, everyone just wants to play loud and, you know, a few vocal ideas, kind of soft melodies and stuff. So I just think the whole genre kind of just bubbled along for until, um, you know, Slow Dive reformed, My Bloody Valentine reformed, and it all became, people started taking it seriously again. Yeah, and I mean, and also that time, of course, Shoegaze was kind of came up because uh, another great expression because grunge came in, because yeah. Nirvana came in with Nevermind, which is a, obviously a, historic massive record so and I think it was on the back of that that then suddenly you were going like oh well, these guys these English guys they kind of rock but they're, they're not like you know jumping around and do it they're not Kurt Cobain kind of thing and, and we're not because that's that was a unique he's a unique guy he's only one of those guys you know so but yeah I, th I think um it's a very broad sort of term and, and for me I just always sort of thought well yeah we're not we're obviously not kind of like rock and roll in that sort of sense we're not like heavy metal you know we're not I don't know, it, it, we are, yeah, it kind of sort of fitted in, in, a, in a sort of way. I, I kind of get it, yeah. I always love it when these days you hear like a shoegazing band from like Sweden or something or like, yeah. you know, uh, well, the United yeah, States. Radio or Department. Yeah. They're, they're, they're like new, new gays, no? They, yep. they, weren't they calling it that for new a while? Gays. Which yeah. is, that is really, that's horrible because anything that sounds like new metal, new, the NU is, is, is no, not a good look. Leaf gaze, Johan. Leaf, leaf gaze. gaze. We leaf came up with leaf gaze. Leaf. Leaf. Yeah. Like gazing at the leaves on, like when you're on the park, like for that, Aldous Harding. We're really, like? We're oh, like really sort of slow folk, you know, really relaxed. <laughs> Isn't music that new too. folk? Yeah. But I think, A you know, folk. also I have to say, I think it can be quite a lot of dodgy bands doing that because I think a lot of people actually forget that you still need a song in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You do need a, a song as well. And, and it's, there's a great soundscape thing which, which can be done quite easily with pedals and ambience and stuff which is good but you've you've got to have a song as well i think it the test is if you can you just put it back to an acoustic and sit and sing around a log fire and people stay and watch so, like you know, vapor trail that we just heard you know you can strum it on great. the ukulele down, and it still yeah. sounds amazing yeah <laughs> don't, don't don't i haven't done that but yeah i'll take your word for that <laughs> 
I, th- I think I used to think I wanted vapor trail at my funeral, which I don't know what my don't know what my parents would have would have. Well, not my not my parents, but you know what everyone else would have. Well, a lot of it. people have had it at their wedding. We 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 seem to we've come to realise. So that's a different spin on it. <laughs> that was a slightly morbid. What I must say. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I, but I was going to ask: Have you ever been asked to play a wedding? You know, with, uh, uh, someone who could afford to have ride. No, we're open to offers. <laughs> I did play a friend's wedding years. once, but I, I didn't play Vapor Child. I did a Led Zeppelin song, but that was that was a really nerve wracking gig in France. But yeah, that's that's another story. But um, so no, not no, we're not. We're not taking wedding bookings yet, <laughs> <laughs> but you never know. Yeah, <laughs> summer twenty twenty three. Well, because yeah. we're at that. You know, when you when you get to an age where your fans are now probably in their fifties, and they've pro- some might be very successful, and they can you know they can afford to have you know people who get prints to pay. Ray, may he rest a lot in peace. more successful than we are. If you're talking like monetary in that way, yeah. <laughs> but because you are, you have been a soundtrack for so many people's yeah. like best years, like your youth, your college years, and stuff. You know, do you get that kind of thing where mm. people come up to you and you know you? you it's yeah. happened a bit more of, of late, I have to say, which is strange because I, you know, went recently to Devon with my daughter, and you know, you're in the middle of nowhere really in Devon, and a few, you know, a couple of people come. I've noticed it a little more. I, I don't know why that happens, but I suppose it's because we're active and playing again or whatever. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the good thing that happened, we started to feel that it's happening as well with a with our last nowhere tour was that we noticed loads more young people coming again, you know, and half the age of ourselves, you know, these older yeah. people we're talking about, <laughs> and it really livened it all up because there's suddenly like people crowd surfing and. And it, we, it, it wasn't something we expected. When I mean, we always saw young people coming as well, curious bands. I think we were also a band's band, you know, like bands sort of like to come and watch, right? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. But it was we really it was a, we really noticed it, and um, don't really know why that's happening, but maybe to do with lockdown and people are just looking and finding stuff. Young people, I don't know when they were all locked in. But something happened there. Well, it's all this TikTok thing, isn't it? Like, or or appearing on the soundtrack of some Netflix show. Like Kate Bush mm. came back into the top ten because one of her songs, "Running uh, Up the yeah. Hill," features on Stranger Things. Oh yeah, I mean and, that is a genius song. And she even came out that of the woodwork. Top ten. Everybody's got access to every every song ever made now. It's so easy and so cheap. You know, to the detriment of yeah. our incomes. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it means that. You know, kids can discover music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, whatever. Yeah. Um, without a PR campaign. Without a PR campaign, they go on a voyage of d- their own discovery and and find music from, you know, all genres and, 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 and all ages, and which I, is good. You've got to check those Rye Boys out before they've completely passed it. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go back, if I may, to the, the, the time of, of nowhere. From from the outside, it, it felt like you were on this massive creative streak. They were like, EPs, all with four songs on, uh, going really quickly. There's a first album, and and I mean, were the was the music just sort of pouring out of you at that point? We were our record label at the time were nervous that we were putting all the good stuff out too quickly. Huh. Yeah. And, you know, would we? Ha- was there an album in us? You know, and then after that, could we do another album? And you know, because we even put a four, another EP out between the two albums, so. I just think it was, um, it, was flowing. it was just flowing, yeah. And you know what was nice with, with those times as well? There's no thought of, um, you're not kind of thinking, oh, this needs to do this, this needs to do that. It's just yeah. none of those kind of thoughts. And I think when you, with, with actions, when they're not kind of motivated by anything other than just like, we've got to do this, we've got to do this now. That's when great stuff's made. And, and that was, we were just sort of in, in that zone completely, really. Um, and it was just, it was just, Things were opening, doors started opening up more and more. And I, I mean, and I guess 
to be completely cliche about it, it was the sort of thing you think, something that seemed to be an impossible dream, you start to realize that actually this could kind of come good. This could, this is starting to work. You know, we could actually make a living out of this. This could be something, you know. So I think it was all that was involved, but there's, you know, there's a lovely naivety about the way we were doing things and, and those times. And yeah, and, and that, and, but it was quite a sort of strangely dark period as well. When we made that record, we, we went nocturnal when we made it and we felt very out of the loop with everybody else because we were kind of going into the studio when everybody seemed to be coming home from work and doing these night sessions. And it's just weird. You just felt really out of step. And I think that the record has that sort of atmosphere about it. I've, I've heard this about lots of bands who choose to record, you know, work nocturnally. We didn't really choose it. It's just that we were just so, we just, just got into it. And we just, the hours just got, just kept slipping later and later and later. So in the end, by the time we'd finished, it was like, what time? It was like three, four in the morning. We better get back, you know, or five. And, and it just, it just kept slipping that way. So it wasn't really a choice. It was just the way it worked out, really. Julio Iglesias said oh that- Oh my his, God, he's <laughs> done it, he's done it. He's his, mentioned Julio Iglesias in, in every- In every interview, I always find an angle. Is this and, a bet? And, <laughs> well, no, it's just a thing. I'm trying to become viral or something. I'm just joking. But no, he said that he loved to record between seven in the afternoon and three in the morning. And I always thought that was interesting because that way, you know, he liked his sunshine. He liked to bathe and stuff. So yeah. I find it in, like, if you, because you've got so much experience recording at different times, different scenarios and stuff, what has proven to be the best conditions for Ride to make an album? From the inception, the songwriting, as when you when you when you four, when the four of you have to be together. We do need to be together. That's one. Good. That's that, one. That yeah, definitely helps. I None of this remote going blank again. I think for me yeah. personally, that was the most kind of sounds a bit corny, but the f most free I felt in a studio. We didn't feel like we had to make a certain record. Um, it didn't mm. have to sound any particular way. There was, you know, we were experimenting quite a lot at the time. We had a good engineer, um, producer on board. Um, you know, we could make, we felt very confident. We could make whatever yeah. record we wanted. There was, so, they also used to put a barrel of beer in there as well. Not that we were like drinking a lot, but it was, it was that there. And we were closely linked to Oxford. And at that time we liked to smoke a bit of pot as well. So mm -hmm. that was quite easy to access as well. And so we didn't, you know, even in a, in a way when we did Nowhere in London, we felt a bit, out of the loop again because we were like living in this palace in London that no one, none of us had ever really been. But I felt with going blank again, it, it there was a connection to Oxford and our, our roots a little bit, but not too much. You know, we, we were close enough to go there when we needed to, but we were kind of, yeah, in Oxfordshire basically. I never understand why bands choose to record in London because everything is triple the price. It's very expensive. You're on yeah, the clock. Yeah, hard whereas... to get around and takes, yeah, I know. Yeah, but I'm, it's not always... It's not always ideal to shut yourself away. You know, sometimes no. it's, you know, we recorded um, our final album in London. I mean, it's not our greatest piece of work, but I remember at the time it was really good being in London because mm. you'd, you'd record during the day and go out in the evening. Uh -huh. And it was, uh, yeah. you know, sometimes you can, I think, isolate yourself too much by being in a residential studio in the middle of nowhere. In some cottage. Yeah. Yeah. What was it like being on Creation at the time? I've, yeah. I've, read, I've read a few books about Creation. I find it absolutely <laughs> fascinating. Sound yeah. Mr. McGee. It's just kind of chaos, really. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're lucky now that with, with, with Wichita, I think, I think in and around all of the chaos, and it was completely chaotic, there, was, there were a few people that really kept it on the tracks, like which was Dick Green, who's obviously Wichita. Mark Bowen came in later as well. He, he's, he's here as well on this weekend. Um, but, but everyone else was quite maverick. I mean, Alan's a totally maverick sort of character. He parted hard as all did the bands. And it just, it was, it was an amazing feeling because 
there was a, a label that you felt that was kind of sticking the V's up to the way mm. the majors were doing it at that time. And they seemed, the majors just seemed to get it wrong all the time with, with their bands, just in, too much interference. So by Alan, Alan would do the opposite. He'd just get to know the people as much as the music. And he just, then he just knew to, to trust you, to let you get on and do it, you know. But that's also, you know, kind of what brought him down because you, you can only know so many people and then you just get worn out, you well, know. And I mean, I think the thing that made Ride great was the thing that made creation great that it was just all this kind of it was chaos it wasn't didn't seem structured it didn't seem like you know any you know you couldn't get more opposite than a business plan and i think in the end that's why you just go and go and go until you sort of smash it into the wall really and i think that's what happened with creation and and us to a certain extent yeah maybe he needed to be a bit more vigilant with kevin shields uh, <laughs> but that's just budget. tough you know some <laughs> artists are really tough to deal with and, and you know what fair enough you know kevin's got his rights to do whatever he wants because that's why he does things and that is hard. I mean, we were we were tough for them in a way because we didn't make it, you know, we, we didn't play the game at all in the sense that we didn't make it obvious what our A single was or B, you know, we put everything in circles. So for promo, I mean, it's a sort of nightmare for people. So no one, no one ever really knew with our EPs which the lead track was, which was kind of on purpose. And yeah, at that time we thought, well, they're all lead tracks, but... But that, yeah. was one, that was the great thing about being on creation. They would allow us to do that. They would yeah. allow us to, you know, design our own artwork. We'd tell them exactly how we want things to sound, look, you know, be marketed. Yeah, the, uh, and they would allow us to do what, the, what on earth we wanted. And the trust was there. And also, yeah. we, we were, I think we were the first band that sort of tried for them. And so they were like, whoa, this is starting to go into a different realm for us. And obviously then that's a great time to celebrate when you're doing things on your own terms. And yeah, there was a lot is made of the party scene and there was that but actually all of us were really really busy at that time as well I mean and then you know when you, if you work hard and party hard well, that's fine you know I always got the impression it must have been really really great to be in Ride at that point because you came out and you mm. it seemed like you had almost instantaneous success everyone wanted to sign you and then like you know your records kept on getting bigger and bigger it, was it yeah. pretty great yeah <laughs> it, it was it felt good but then also at the same time, then you're thinking, like, how are we going to keep this up? So, you know what I mean? There's always that sort of air of like, well, this isn't going to last like this. So what happened? You know, well, I always used to think like that anyway. So like, how do we keep this going like this? And um, what are we going to do next kind of thing? But it didn't. I mean, with our, uh, we, we, I think we plateaued around our third album. That was the, you yeah. know, we probably got a bit carried away. We went in a direction which wasn't natural to us. Mm -hmm. uh, we made an album which some people still love, some people don't. But that was where we plateaued. And I think that was a, a real mood change in the band. Up to that point, it was an upward trajectory. But when we reached that point, it was like, you know, maybe yeah. that's the start of the end. Or we, we then started to think about, well, maybe we need to make an album that sounds like X, Y, and Z, you know, and start to really think of well, why is it plateaued instead of just doing what previously became natural. Yeah. yeah. And then so what you, you, you mentioned earlier, the reformation, uh, weather diaries. What was it? Can you still remember what it was like getting back together and all of a sudden feeling this surge in creativity as a unit again after so many years apart and each of you doing your own things? Well, remember, the reunion was only originally five shows. The first one was supposed to be here. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but we, yeah, we had, you know, Prima, uh, yeah, Primavera here and then Coachella came in with an offer a month before. So we did a few shows in the States. Um, so it was only going to be a short-lived thing, but dates kept getting added and then all of a sudden there was no, a UK tour and a European tour and you know going out to the Far East and stuff and I think because we were spent so much time together that that first year it was obvious that you know we all felt well let's make a record it wasn't like we must reform we must make an album that it just it was a natural progression you know through being playing 
playing live all the time. Yeah, and I mean, we'd, we'd seen, it wasn't like we were not seen each other for 20 years. I mean, we still saw quite a fair bit of each other. I mean, mm. um, probably uh, look, uh, me more so with Loss, because Loss was still in Oxford, Steve had moved to London, you know, Andy had. So, I mean, there's still a lot of that going on. Um, so it didn't, yeah, it didn't seem like we were complete strangers or whatever, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it's true. It just, again, it's just something that happens with Ride. It just, once we sort of do the thing, it just, this this thing happens and it just keeps going. <laughs> if you don't really know what that is, but it does, it does do that thing. Did you have like a plan of a band that had reformed that had gone well in your mind? I thought most of them had gone pretty badly actually. And I thought, yeah. I thought, I thought our legacy was so strong that, um, the only way that we'd really vindicate it. I mean, of course, it's amazing to come and do headline shows and stuff here. That was just mind blowing. But I thought the way to vindicate it was just felt that we'd, we'd creatively, we could still make great new music. And, and I think we did. And I, and I think we've still got more of that in us. And I think that's, for me, that, that you know, that, that's, that's the real acid test, I think, because if, if there's stuff that's chemistry that's not right within bands and they kind of come back and reform it's okay you can go and do a few of these things but then when it comes to being in the studio together and being in that environment um i think music doesn't lie and and you can really hear if there's still something really magical there then that comes out in new music and if it's not then it just sounds terrible you know i think music's really transparent like that and what's next <laughs> well i mean we that's a good question. Well, what is next? <laughs> we've got a, a summer of festivals. Um, I mean, it's, 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 it's yet another tough year. I mean, we've had two years of, of, mm. of COVID. Mm. Um, we thought it would be back to normal this year, but what we haven't foreseen is that every band in the world is trying to go out and tour and, and try and, you know, make a bit of, make up for the lost time. Yeah. So I think it's another transitional year, 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're we're making new music. We hope to bring an album out sometime next year, and we hope to tour tour with that as well. So yeah, it just you know there is a there is a plan, there is a future, and and it's interesting seeing coming. You know, again, we're just open to see what 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 we do with you know these albums, and then you know obviously when we're doing the Nowhere tour in England, we were also playing you know new things around that as well. So we just see. I mean, it's we people now know that we are happy to do these records as well as yeah. well as the other stuff so just see where it takes us again I guess uh, I, as you know we were speaking earlier about all the bands that cite you guys as influence mm-hmm. uh, are any of the younger bands who are who could fit into the shoegaze umbrella uh, any that have impressed you that you think alright oh, I like what they're doing or that you relate to um I don't know. If you list some bands that have been influenced, I, d- I don't know. I mean, the one that springs to mind would probably be, I quite like the band, is it White Flowers? Very shoegazy, lovely, um, yeah. lo- lovely vocalist. White uh, Flowers. Yeah. Ben? I really like... We just toured with Bedroom. Or is it Bedroom? Bedroom. bedroom. Oh, yeah. Bedroom. Yeah. 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 And uh, they were great. And uh, they, they, were, they were stage diving and surfing when we were playing. They'd play their set and they'd like get thrown out by security. And That's a good point, actually. Bedroom are, I think, a cut above the average band. They have got a real big future. Yeah. They're so good. I was going to mention Ulrich Schnauss, who I really like. Ulrich, yeah. He's, yeah. It's like a so You've worked with him, German. right? Yeah, I, I did. I did work with Ulrich, yeah. And he did a remix of one of my solo tracks, which he did a good job. But yeah, I like Ulrich. He's kind of, he's got that sort of German mad professor thing about him, which is, is good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I mean, it seems to be a lot of them. I mean, I've worked with a few, a few coming in some studio as well, which is interesting and something. But most of them, I'm like, would advise not to sort of completely 
get too caught up in what they think of that sound and just it's more about just trying to find what's good for them and create your own sound a bit you know i mean we've all we're all influenced so it's fine but um that's the challenge yeah well look it's been an absolute pleasure uh an honor Indeed. It's nice talking in it. It's not everyone's talking about it. It's like being in a, a, a fish tank at the festival. <laughs> and then, and I realised they were like, oh, actually, you're listening out there. I just thought they were kind of sat there waiting for... Say some, hello, say hello. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Hello, are. Primavera people <laughs> out there. So you're playing uh, tonight, 8.45 yep. at Binance Stage. It's it's right playing nowhere. What, what more do you want? Yeah, that's it. Blood? We are. We are doing that. Maybe. We're going to slaughter a sheep <laughs> with our blood. <laughs> like K- we're going to do a KLF. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Ride, ladies and gentlemen, here on Radio Primavera Sound. Cheers.